Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. All right, everyone. <laughs> um, today's episode is a bit of a different episode. Um, the topic is on why I'm leaving higher education. That's right. Um, it might seem really strange for you to read that title. You might be thinking, wait, what? What does that mean? What's going on? Um, well, this week, or within the past week, I have been starting to tell more people that I am leaving my position with the McNair program and I will be leaving the position by the end of August. I've also told some of my friends and loved ones that not only am I leaving that position, but I am also going to be relocating in the coming months. It's not gonna be a quick thing. Um, but between now and early 2022, I'll be relocating my family to Portugal. And it's, it's a bit of a big move and life transition. And I'm navigating this. I'm in the middle of it. I am not done. I'm not, I'm, I can't go back and say, um, oh, let me tell you and announce all the things that I've been up to that you weren't part of. No, I'm actually in the middle of it. And I am sharing it, I'm disclosing that information um, because I think it's important. It is going to play a factor in um, how I continue with the podcast in the future. Uh, and I think this kind of information is important. I don't think enough people talk about this openly about why they decide to leave academia. And this is not my first time you know, making a shift like this. I made this shift when I earned my PhD and in 2016 and decided I don't want to do this tenure track job market. Like, I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want, I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> I don't want to be a professor anymore. That was hard. Um, I, yeah, at the time I was still struggling with heavily with the perfectionism, with the people pleasing, with um, just feeling so guilty and with feeling that imposter syndrome uh, or feeling unworthy and thinking that I was letting go of a good thing. Um, but I didn't realize that, that those were all like external messages, but what was like my like gut feeling or my intuition, whatever you want to call it, was telling me, no, this is the right thing. Like it was that voice inside of me, something that was making me lean toward leaving the tenure track job market and pursuing the job in, um, in student affairs and academic affairs, serving students directly there was a part of me that just felt like this is the right thing. I've, I haven't done it, but it just feels right. And I'm going to pursue it. And if I don't pursue it, I'm going to regret it. And I did it. And um, it was a really good ex learning experience. 
And now that I'm on the other side, I'm getting that feeling again of like, I don't, I don't think I can do this anymore. I don't think I have the capacity to do this anymore. There, I, I've got this calling or whatever you want to call it. My intuition, my gut feeling is telling me to do something else. And, um, and that something else is to leave institutions of higher ed completely. And that's for now. Who knows? I might go back to it in the future. Maybe. Probably not. But maybe. <laughs> um, I, you know, I don't want to close anything off completely. But for now, what feels right is to make this shift. And to get there required a lot of work, a lot of growth, a lot of therapy and reading books and listening to podcasts and really, really spending time to reflect and to think about and to daydream about like what would an ideal life for me and my circumstances, my identity and my health and my ability, all those things, like what would an ideal lifestyle look like? What does a perfect day in the life look like for me? What brings me joy? And to actually listen to that. And to actually pursue it, oof, it's taken a lot of work. I'm still going through that process. I'm still doing the work. I'm still in the thick of it. I haven't officially finished, you know, wrapped things up at, wrapped things up at my job. And it's going to take a while. It's not an easy process to relocate your family abroad. And then once we're there, it's going to take a while to adjust. It's, you know, migrating to another country. Those of us that are children of immigrants we know firsthand just how hard it is to learn a new culture and a new language and to make that transition and those shifts oof it's not going to be easy um but i am looking forward to sharing kind of that process with you and before i do that i kind of want to tell you what's going on like why folks have asked me like what happened why are you leaving what's your next thing like like you of all people like why are you leaving <laughs> your institution and why are you leaving academia why are you leaving higher education and so okay i'll tell you the 10 things and they're very much personal to me um but um some of you might resonate with some of the things that i say and some of you are debating whether or not to go to grad school debating whether or not um to finish grad school, debating whether or not to, maybe you finish grad school and to pursue a career in higher education, or maybe you have a career in higher education and like me, you're debating whether or not to leave and pursue something else. You get what I mean? Like, so hearing, I think hearing my reasons and my perspective, and then hopefully after this in the future, following, my, following me along that path, maybe it might be helpful to you because I know that's been true for me is every time I have been able to listen to other people and hear their stories, find out how they navigated things. It has been very useful for me. So let's get to these reasons. The first reason is to put my health first. And um, I have tried, I have tried really hard to harmonize between having a full-time job, having two kids, one that requires a lot of one-on-one -on -one attention and childcare, 
another one that requires a lot of attention when it comes to schooling. And then um, my other projects, this podcast, the work that I do with Chicana Mother Work and shedding light on the experiences of mothers of color in the academy. And um, my own like immediate and extended family and my own relationship with my partner, all these things turn. And then on top of that, my chronic illness that gets in the way of a lot of things, it gets in the way of a lot of things because it affects me every single day. I have grown accustomed to being in pain every single day. Um, and I, I always refer to my chronic illness as like that chronic illness. I never kind of specifically say it's colitis, interstitial cystitis, it's migraines, it's um, endometriosis. You know, I don't name the thing because it affects me in many different ways. It's not just that one thing. You know, there are days that I've got debilitating migraines or debilitating nausea or debilitating cramps, or um, I could go on and on and on. Um, and for the most part, I've, I've tried my best. I have um, workplace accommodations. I have um, very understanding staff and colleagues, um, a partner that's really, really supportive. But at the end of the day, <laughs> it's, you know, it's hard having to, to take sick days and take time off and, um, and try to do all the things. Because when I do all the things and overwork and overcommit, I get the flare ups and then I feel sick. So leaving higher education means being in charge of my own schedule, my own time, taking the time that I need, even if it's more time resting than it is producing, um, even if it's more time, you know, doing things more slowly, but more intentionally, um, rather than doing things quickly just to get them done. So I, it would be really, really hard to do that while staying in higher education, because that's not what's prioritized. It's, Productivity is prioritized, taking time off, taking things slowly, doing things more intentionally. That hasn't been true, at least for me. So putting my health first is reason number one. Reason number two, just as important, putting my family first. I have had so many instances where my son has come up to me, mommy, la da 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 mommy this, mommy that, and he's so excited to show me something. I'm like, sorry, bud, I'm about to run into a meeting. Sorry, bud, I've got this thing that's due right now. And I don't want to have to put him on the side. I don't want to have to tell him, okay, wait till later, wait till after dinner time, wait until my lunch hour, wait until whatever time it is that I have a break that I can see him and, and focus solely on him. So I, I want to be able to put my family first. And that's the thing. I have the capacity to do that. I have the capacity to leave my job. It took a lot of um, mind work, a lot of reviewing finances and budgeting. And we're going to downsize. We're going to get rid of everything we own. We're, you know, there's a lot of things that we're going to sacrifice in order to have more time, um, more time with our family, more time for ourselves. So putting my family first, first before everything, even the conveniences like that we have right now, um, we're sacrificing that so that we can spend more time with our family. So putting family first 
being there for my children in these critical years, very important. I'm never going to regret that. Never, ever, ever. Some people might say, oh my gosh, like you haven't even reached the peak of your career. You could have become the director of this or the director of that. And I'm like, I can still do that. I could do it now. I could do it five years from now. I could do it 10 years from now when the kids are older. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm never going to regret spending more time with my children because I know I had a mom who didn't have that choice, who didn't have that privilege, who was a single mom. And I yearned for that so deeply to have more time with her, to um, spend time with her. And she couldn't be, and she still can't. She's still working uh, full time. And um, I don't have to do the same thing. And because of her sacrifices, I'm able to be in my position now and um, do things a little bit differently. Um, yeah, so definitely put my family first is reason number two. Reason number three, and I think I've already said this, the family, the family thing, um, I said that, you know, it's to have more time. Well, just, uh, just like I want to have more time for my kids and my partner, I also want to have more time to strengthen friendships and bonds and um, build a stronger community. I don't have a lot of regrets in terms of you know, a lot of formative moments in my life and experiences. But I'll, I, I'll say this, if there was ever any regret with my time at my current institution and my current location, it's that I wish I would have built a stronger community. It's that I wish I would have made more time. I always felt like I was too busy because, you know, with a nine to five and then picking up the kids from school and then dinner and then, you know, the whole thing over and over and over again, get up, take the kids to school, go to work, come back, you know, pick up the kid <laughs> and make dinner and just the same routine over and over and over again. It was really easy to just be completely exhausted and fatigued and not have the energy to sustain relationships. So now with more time means that I can be more intentional. I can have these longer conversations. I already feel it. Folks have reached out to me and whereas before I say, oh, I'm not, you know, I'm not available right now. Maybe we can talk later. Now it's like, actually, I am free. Actually, I am opening myself up to having these conversations. I've talked to some people that I haven't talked to in like six years recently because of this shift. And it's amazing to go back and like rekindle kind of friendships and strengthen that community. Um, even like spending more time with my mom, talking to her a bit more. She's even told me that she always worked, 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 worked. And she wishes she would have built stronger friendships because now she's older and getting to that age where she's thinking more about what it might be like if she could retire and if she had friends. And um, I'm listening to her. I'm, I'm learning from her experience. So her regretting not making stronger friendships, stronger bonds with folks, you know, in her community, that's kind of, I don't want to keep having that regret. I want to be able to make time and space for, for people who are meaningful to me. So having more time to strengthen friendships and build community, that's priceless. Um, okay, reason number four is 
this is a big one, um, especially someone from a working class background, um, is to be more in control of my finances. Um, now that I'm going to be leaving my position, I am going to be working towards um, creating systems to generate passive income streams. What does that mean? That means, you know, pre-recording webinars or courses or handouts or workbooks or whatever it is, you know, you name it. Um, you know, little by little over time, obviously, I'm not going to try to rush into anything right away. Um, but generating these um, systems of passive income streams so that I can be more intentional about my time and I can be more intentional and in control of how much money I make, how much money I need to be able to survive. I'm not trying to become a millionaire, although I know some people aren't, you know, more power to them. I have, you know, respect for anyone, whatever decisions that they want to make for their life. But for me, I don't need a lot to to thrive. Um, I just need to, I, 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 what I desire is a more intentional life. And so to be in charge of my finances, to know this is the number that I need to survive. This is the number that I need to put away to retire. This is the number that I need to that my kids won't ever feel like they're missing out on stuff. And to not have to be um, reliant on someone else to determine that number for me, to not have to worry about being paid inequitably, to not have to worry about um, working really, really hard. And then the price that you get for working really, really hard is more work, um, which a lot of times it can feel like that in academia that you're like working, working, working. Oh, and you're so efficient. And then, okay, here's more work instead of you work, work, work. Okay, you can take time off. You work, work, work. Okay, you can get this bonus. Work, work, work. Okay, here's a pay increase. That's not common in higher education. Um, so I want to be in control of my finances or in better control of them. And what better way than to be self-employed? <laughs> All right. Reason number five is... Again, tying back to the things that I mentioned earlier about wanting to take time off when I need to without feeling guilty, without feeling like I'm burdening someone, without having to work a lot, you know, before taking that time off or work a lot after taking that time off because all this stuff came up. Or there have been so many times that I would try to take time off and then there was a crisis, something going on with someone and having to either tame a fire or deal with the crisis or be there. Um, never really feeling like you could be completely 100% off the grid at any time. That's, um, that's made it really hard to take time off. That's why I have accumulated so much sick and vacation time because it was hard to take it um, while working. And I know people always say, take that time. But it's hard when you know that in order to do that, you've got to do the work in advance to be able to take that time off so that you don't fall behind. But then when I overwork, when I, me, myself, when I overwork, it's not healthy for me. I get flare ups, I get sick. So then it's like leading up to it, I'm working, working, working. Then I take time off and I don't even get to enjoy it because during that time off, I'm feeling sick the whole time. You get what I mean? Um, I know that's not the case for everybody. Most people do not have what I have, don't deal with the same circuit, aren't, they aren't me. Uh, and so for other people, it's not a problem. But for me, you know, it's important to be able to take time off without having 
to um, overwork myself. All right, reason number six, uh, and this is related to moving abroad. It's to not have to be tied to one location to be able to travel, to be able to relocate, to move outside of California or move outside of the US. Um, and I think that's becoming more um, of the norm as there are actually more remote positions available, especially outside of academia, within academia. I know of some institutions who are making a strong push and being very inflexible and forcing all of their employees to come back in person in the fall, which is this month for some um, institutions, next month for some institutions. So some places are being inflexible. Some places are being flexible, but still requiring some time on campus. And some positions are 100% remote. But even with 100% remote positions, a lot of them, most of them, because of tax implications, require that you stay in the US. And so because I've got this plan of moving abroad and trying it out, um, it just doesn't make sense to keep a job in the US for now. Reason number seven, uh, even right now, it's like, I feel like I've got to tread waters carefully or like you know there's always that worry of like the el que dirán like que dirá, que dirán la gente like what if someone close to me if one of my colleagues or one of my students if my mom or whoever it is listens to this podcast like do I have to censor myself because of that and I'm reaching a point and I say reaching because I don't think I'm quite 100% there yet where I don't want to have to censor myself. I don't want to have to um, show only parts of who I am. I don't want to have to be afraid of institutional retaliation for what I say publicly. I want to be my full self. I want to be unapologetic. I um, want to know that the people that listen to my podcast listen to it because they can relate in some way, shape or form and they can relate to my authenticity, to me being me, not me being a certain, what's the word, like, yeah, this a censored version of me. I don't want that. I'm tired of that. If I want to use a curse word, <laughs> I want to use a curse word. <laughs> if I want to call someone a mofo, I want to call them that, you know? Um, so I, I, just, I just don't want to have to worry about that, about I, I have had those instances where I've been in settings, you know, whether it's predominantly white spaces or predominantly middle-class spaces, or I don't know, it's just that vibe that you get. If you're a person of color, if you're from a working class background, um, you know what I mean. Or if you're, you know, dealing with a disability and you're with a bunch of folks who are not disabled, you know that feeling like where you can just, sense that the the ableism the sexism the racism the classism and you don't feel like you can be your 100 percent self tired of that not about that life anymore so i don't want to have to censor myself that's reason number seven all right reason number eight is to be a student again oh my goodness so while I make this transition, um, I haven't 
I haven't enrolled yet. And so I don't know exactly when I'm going to start, but I am planning to enroll in a coaching certification course so I can be officially ICF certified so that I can have that the certification that a lot of um, life coaches, academic coaches have to do this in case I want to take that and do that full time. And the thought of becoming a student again excites me. I, yes, at the end of the day, I'm still a nerd. I still love learning. I still love um, reading and listening to speakers and learn. I just, I just love learning. I don't think that's ever going to go away. And so to become a student again is very exciting for me. I don't think I realized what a good student I was until I became an instructor. So all of y'all, if you haven't started TAing, we haven't started teaching your own courses, wait for that moment. It's going to be so interesting to you because you're going to realize, oh, wow, I was such a good student or, oh, wow, I was not the best student. I gave those people a hard time. Oh, I'm so grateful. First of all, I've got some of y'all, some of y'all that listen to me. I know you're out there. <laughs> I'm not going to name names, but you know who you are. You know, you gave me a hard time <laughs> and now you love me even more for it. <laughs> you knew you were not like on top of everything and and didn't always make things easy easy um and now you're very um you're on the other side of things and you're teaching and and you can reflect on that so i'm excited to try being a student again to learn to keep learning um, new tools new skills new concepts new frameworks new just lots of like mindset shifts and to share that with you to to grow and grow publicly and help you grow too so that's reason number eight reason number nine i've been referencing this it's to live a more intentional life what does that mean that means taking on projects taking on tasks that align directly with my values and ethics. And um, that means not just doing things because they've been delegated, because it's a requirement, because higher ups or institutional policies require that you do it because someone nominated you. No, it's to do things for you and what is meaningful to you. And that's hard because then that also means having to ask yourself, well, actually, what are my values? Actually, what are my ethics? Like, actually, what do I want to prioritize? A lot of us have been pursuing things, you know, going to school, going to college, going to grad school because of external factors, external reasons, external people telling you that you need to do X, Y, and Z. But like, if you were to actually sit down and think about you yourself, what you want, what you think is important, and then to be able to pursue a life where you, the things that you do reflect that, uh, are aligned with that. I have the choice to do that right now. And I'm gonna do that for as long as I continue to have the choice. Maybe I won't, maybe I will run out of savings. And I, it, things don't work out. You know, it's like that worst case scenario thinking of like, think about the worst case scenario. I run out of money. I, and then my passive income streams don't work out. Um, we don't like living abroad. I'm really unhappy. 
what then? Well, I can still get a job again. I can still move back again. I still have family who no matter what I do is going to be there for me and love me <laughs> and help me out. Same goes with certain, you know, certain friends that I have who are lifelong friends that I know I can count on. And the same goes both ways. It's like, if there's someone that's close to me, that's a loved one, something's going on, I will do whatever I can do to help them out. So um, because I can, and because I've been able to reflect on this, I, I'm choosing to live a more intentional life. All right, reason number 10, that's technically like 10 slash 11, um, is to use my knowledge to serve more people. One thing that sometimes I would get frustrated with, um, with my current job is that you're funded to serve a certain amount of students. And that number is, is low. Most McNair programs are funded to serve anywhere from like 28 to 30 students. And then the grand scheme of things, 28 to 30 students per institution is not a lot of people that you're reaching. And I'm grateful for the really strong bonds and ties that I've made with those students. And I think a lot of them, you know, they have, uh, you know, if, if, once they've become alumni, they've added me on my personal social media, they continue to be in touch with them. And they're amazing individuals. I love seeing how much they've grown and progressed. Um, but at the same time, there's a part of me that's bummed because there are so many like equally amazing people out there that didn't get into McNair or didn't apply or found out about it too late that also are just as worthy and deserving of getting this information and learning these skills and having this kind of mentorship. And so with these very public and accessible platforms, I have that ability to reach more people. And if I pursue it with more time than I have been pursuing it lately, because there's only a very limited amount of time I have every week to dedicate towards the podcast. Um, but if I have more time, that means I can do more, I can reach more people. So that is meaningful to me too. And then I said 10 slash 11, it's, you know, the big thing is that this is very risky and I am trying something new. And um, I'm also very excited. I, um, I've never moved abroad before. <laughs> I've traveled abroad, I've never moved abroad. Um, I'm also excited for what that means, the implications that it has on the podcast. It may mean having more of a capacity to take on more guest speakers or to um, collaborate with other people, collaborate with other public educators, with other um, podcasters, bloggers, solo entrepreneurs, however they, refer to themselves with other people who are doing similar work, um, to keep building community, to um, expand this venue outside of just the podcast, expand it to a blog, expand it to kind of other systems. Again, all in the name of increasing um, accessibility to this information that I've had the privilege to learn over the past, oh, well, since what, 2006. So uh, do you do the math? Has that, that been what, 15 years? So to share all of that I've learned in the 15 years that I've been in college settings. Um, yeah, and I'm excited to give more uncensored advice. I am excited to be my full self, to be more intentional, to 
um, have more time to do the things that are meaningful to me and to share that with you. So that is my podcast episode on why I'm leaving higher education. I may not be leaving completely. Maybe you might see me as a guest speaker for <laughs> one of your programs for McNair, for Mellon. I've already got people <laughs> sending me messages. Hey, since you're not going to be working for them, can you come speak to me, to me or to my students about X, Y, and Z? So yes, that's going to be a thing. I actually realized during the pandemic that I'm a big fan of speaking. And maybe it's my theater background and the fact that I, uh, I haven't done theater in a while, but I always really enjoyed um, that feeling, that rush, that high of public speaking. Yes, I still get nervous. Yes, I still um, have my mannerisms and things that I do that I can work on, like saying I'm too much <laughs> or whatever it is that I do. I'm not making enough direct eye contact. I know there are things that I can work on, but I actually genuinely um, enjoy speaking and uh, doing public speaking even more when it's live. And when there are folks who ask me questions, I love answering questions. I used to dread questions, Q&A, especially as a grad student, oof, Q&As, when you're presenting your research and then there might be someone in the audience who's trying to tear you apart. Well, now when you get to decide what to speak on, when you're not reliant on the university uh, per se to pay all of your bills, um, it, it's nice to be able to just say things um, in an unfiltered way um, and all with, you know, good intentions with the intention of hope, hopefully helping other people out. That's it. I'm done <laughs> for today. Thank you for listening. And um, I hope that you learned something from me and that you continue to learn um, as I navigate this transition. Thank you so much. And I'll talk to you all later. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anchor page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Fem Touring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, sending me a voice message on Anchor, or sending me a message via my personal website at yvettemartinezvu.com. Until next time. <laughs>